Hi everyone, it's Witchy Bites, episode 26. So if you've listened to the last episode, you'll know that Hannah and I talked for a gazillion years and we split it into two. So this episode does have some references to wassailing in it, but ultimately it's a standalone episode and Hannah is talking about traditional witchcraft. We hope that you enjoy. I'm going to talk to you about traditional witchcraft. So I will start this by saying I have read almost all of one book on traditional witchcraft. I knew nothing about it before. I actually thought it was something more related to hereditary witchcraft. So this is where I'm coming from, knowing nothing. So this is one person's opinion. I was going to like do more research and I will get some more links to put into the show notes. But I had so much from this one book because I found so much of it fascinating mm-hmm. that I thought I'll be here for three hours by myself. <laughs> <laughs> so we won't do that. Don't do it. So <coughs> didn't actually read anything else. I am going to. I have ordered a bunch of books off Amazon, which I'm not proud of, but I did. I can't wait till they get here. So I'll be reading and looking at this for for a while now, I think. So the book I looked at is called, book I read, I didn't just look at the cover, is called The Crooked Path, An Introduction traditional, to Traditional Witchcraft by Keldon. One word, just Keldon. It's weird to call him Keldon, but th- that's that's the author's name, just Keldon. Madonna. Yes, he's... he's Keldon. Yeah, exactly. What is traditional witchcraft? It's often referred to as the crooked path and it's not easy to define just like every other kind of witchcraft. It's seen as a or it's used as a, like generally as an umbrella term and it's to co- it covers all non-Wiccan forms of witchcraft that are influenced and inspired by folklore. So at first I thought, oh, just a lot of different kinds of non-Wiccan witchcraft, but it's, it's that folklore aspect. So actually the mid... The wassailing, the revival, is, like, perfect. That's yeah. a perfect example of what would be considered one of their, like, a traditional witchcraft custom or, or, or set of ri- or ritual. Like, that's what it is. Like So it's based on stuff that is historic. Yeah. So they've looked at folklore in particular or even historical documents and they've taken out the bits that are still relevant and made it into... The new, new in inverted commas, wassailing kind of ritual. Okay. So that's essentially what it is. They look more at folklore mm-hmm. and they take parts of folklore even knowing that f- we think of folklore as not true, as fantasy, but they still take bits out of it that they feel are significant. So just because it's a story, that doesn't matter. Like it's been passed down it still has cultural significance for someone who follows this path I suppose tradition so in in again in this when I was when I first started to read this book I thought oh tradition like traditional witchcraft so it has to be historic like it has to be based on historical fact which we both know is and we hope everyone out there listening knows that Basically, it ain't going to happen. We're not going to have... There isn't a written-down form of witchcraft that has been passed down unless you do have a family, like, hereditary tradition. But, yeah, I thought I thought traditional witchcraft was just a different term for hereditary, so it was just what was passed down. But I was wrong. <laughs> that was an assumption on my part. It's um, official. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... 
Keldon takes, so the author of this book, Keldon takes tradition to mean something like usually an action that the practitioner decides is meaningful, meaningful and intentionally repeats. So it doesn't have to be old to mm-hmm. be traditional for a traditional practitioner, traditional witchcraft practitioner or a traditional witch. It just has to be something that has some root in either history or like folklore that you have decided is meaningful for you and you put it into a practice and you repeat it. So mm-hmm. you ritualise it. Yeah, so traditional witchcraft is influenced and inspired by the traditions found in folklore. However, change and growth are seen as a natural part of of the tradition. So there's some practices which I'll get to that I won't say are universal but are seen to be practised by most traditional witches, but it's not. There's nothing really hard and fast. Yeah. It's not like Gardenian or Alexandrian where there's like a ritual structure that everyone follows and there's like degree systems and... There's the head of the coven's always called this and you always have to like mentor or, you know, the high priestess will teach you and it's very eclectic in a way. It's very maybe not eclectic but it's 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 what you make it. So it's kind of like there are elements that are the same but then everything on top of that however you want to To a degree. It. It's, yeah. it's I feel as I was because I haven't even finished the book yet but as I was reading it's it's there's some things that you could probably look at and go that's that's not quite it but there's other things that you look at like the wassail and especially the more traditional one that brought in like the getting rid of evil spirits Mm -hmm. the modern say shall I say slightly sanitized version where it's waking up the tree only yeah that's I mean it still is yeah but I'd say from what I've read, this is my opinion, and after reading one book, part of one book, <laughs> with, the, with, with the getting rid of the evil spirits, that's more, that's better for want of a better word, but that's more what it is. Okay. But like the wassailing is a perfect example of, okay. of, of what would be, yeah, as I said. Okay, yeah. getcha. So I'll go into, I'll go through it a bit more. I'll talk about what it is. I'll talk about how it's different from Wicca because that's quite interesting and then some of the rituals which I found fascinating and the reason why I'm actually doing this. Okay, so the key elements. So there's three key elements in traditional witchcraft and they all are infused with folklore. So each of these you look at like traditional folklore stories and you pull out what is in those to do with these three elements. So the first one is working with magic. So... Traditional witches work magic as like a baseline. I will say most of them do. If you're a traditional witch and you don't practice magic, apologies. Keldon said you did. (laughs) (laughs) Working with or in the other world. So this is working with spirits and it's actually like fundamental to what they do. Okay. And there's some interesting differences between Wicca and this uh, traditional witchcraft. Now, I'll get to that. And the third thing is working with nature. So there's a big emphasis on actually working with nature in the place that you are. So unlike other traditional, other traditions, witchcraft, Wicca, it's not taking the British and putting it to into where you are. Yeah. So there's not that transition problem that we have in the Southern Hemisphere of less so in Tassie, but of taking 
the four seasons as they are in the Northern Hemisphere, in Britain or now also in parts of the United States and putting them onto here and it not working. Yeah, like putting it on the equator where there are like two yeah. seasons. Yeah, okay, gotcha. That is not traditional witchcraft. So if you're taking the seasons from somewhere else and putting them here and sort of wedging them in and trying to get them to work, yeah. that's not it. So is this sort of I'm, – I'm, I don't mean shaman, so please don't take yeah. it. But okay. is it like but a yes. shamanic kind of practice in that way? Like Some of it I suppose you could say okay. that. Yeah. There's going to other realms. The okay. other world is other realms. So there's I would call it astral body travelling, spirit travelling, that kind of thing. But there's also like connection to the place you are but in that witchcraft kind of way. So yeah. I'll get a bit, a bit okay. to it. I'll get a bit. Yeah. Now, first and foremost, it's a magical practice. So it's not a religion or a spirituality. Like those aspects can be put onto or into the magical practice, but um, in like the intro chapters he doesn't talk about, Keldon doesn't talk about religion or spirituality at all. Yeah. Because it's practice. It's a, it's, it's, it's a set of practices that you do. So primarily it's a set of practices or a structure for a set of practices even. It's not um, archetype for the deities, so there's an archetype for masculine and feminine. There is. Yeah. Some traditional witches don't interact or work with them at all, yeah. and that's fine. So much like other less true, like not non-Wiccan mm-hmm. witchcraft traditions, you don't have to work with deity at all or I was going to say spirits but... Working in the other realm is, like, fundamental to it. Okay. So it's one of the three elements. However, it's not worship. So -hmm. you don't worship anybody. Yeah. There's no worship in it. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, you say you're a priestess of Hecate and you give offerings to her as, like, a worshipful or I want to say, I'm trying to think of a different word, but basically worship, like you're venerating them. That's not done. You don't. Okay. There's no veneration. There's yeah. respect, but it's also a working relationship. So you yeah. approach spirit, even deity, as an equal partner in a working relationship in the magic. Uh huh. Which to me, like I've thought about that before, but I haven't thought about it down to the like bones of it. I suppose. Yeah. So even if you're approaching what you consider a god you're not coming humbly and asking and beseeching them to do something for you. And this can be the like the archetype masculine or feminine. You don't go to them and go, please, sir, please, madam. <laughs> Give me some more. Oh, you know, almost. Like there's, <laughs> there's no, and it's like it's respect, it's, 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 you do it respectfully, but it's like, hey, I'm here, I'm here to work, I'm here to learn, let's go. Okay. This does seem like it has some similarities to some of the uh, Norse traditions, so that's... I think so. I don't, okay. I don't know as much yeah. about the Norse tra- I think you'd know more. <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> Meaning anything. <laughs> um, but, yes, it's, it's, it's you're working with... You're yeah. not... There's, yeah, it's not worship or yeah. veneration. It's, it's respectful. Re- it's respectful, yeah. but you're an equal partner in a magical working relationship. Sure. And yeah. there's a big emphasis on building those relationships with spirits, any spirits, land spirits, your ancestors. So there's practices in the book, which may not be universal, but there's practices that just say you go into a space and you say, hey, I'm here to work with this spirit of this piece of land. Let's have a chat. 
That's kind of what I do. That's really amazing. Mm. And that's that's it. And then you talk to them for a little while and you close. And that's it. Like that's that's the ritual. That's what you're doing. You're building the relationship. You give them an offering of something. Yeah. But that's because that's with the understanding that as you essentially become friends, you yeah. work together. Yeah. You work magic together. So it's 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 never I don't want to say it's not with there's always conditions. But it's it's like a working relationship. So yeah. you're going there or they're coming to you to work. You don't just have to go and go, oh, Hecate, thank you, or whoever. I just have Hecate on the brain no, but because it, she's in the book. <laughs> and like, I know this mm. isn't comparing to human relationships, but it's, it's similar. It's like if I came to you and said, can we do some magic together because of blah, we have a working magic relationship because yeah. we've, we've spent time together. Yeah. I wouldn't do the same with someone else who I've not worked magic with before. Or you've never met. Or you never wouldn't just met. go up to someone on the street and say, hey, I want to cast this spell. Will you help out? I feel like we've got a new challenge. <laughs> <laughs> and then you realise it's like candid camera or something. <laughs> but, yeah, I see, yeah. It's, okay. it's that. Yeah. But it's, it, I, I saw it as like, um, like work. You go yeah. to work. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You're paid but in this case not, yeah. but you're going to somewhere to do work. Yeah. If someone else shows up, they're also going there and they know they're going to do work. That's what you're there for. That's what you go there, there for. you to fuck spiders. <laughs> no. Where did that come from? I don't want to know. It was such a f- saying, Australian saying. Anyway, <laughs> we're not here to fuck spiders. It's a mainland Australian saying, obviously. It is, yeah. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Shows and doesn't show my ignorance. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so I'm hoping that you'll know that this is no, but is traditional witchcraft a form of Wicca? Yes! That was mean, Liz. (laughs) Have you not been listening? No, I know it's not. (laughs) There is quite, they're quite different. There's some overlap, but they're quite different. Now, he, the author of this book, Keldon, did talk about it for like the differences Uh for a while. Uh Um, He was Wiccan for some years before this. Yeah. So he discovered, like, much the same as other people's stories, discovered Wicca in his youth when he was quite young, mm-hmm. was a Wiccan for, oh, quite a while. I think he said he was early teens and then he went to was in college. Mm-hmm. So he was a Wiccan for quite, you know, years. So I felt like his comparisons were fair. Yeah. I haven't actually ever done a comparison. I would never have said that I've done or called myself Wiccan. I've read a lot of books. Yeah. But I don't think, have we ever done any real traditional Wiccan rituals? I wouldn't know because I've never been in a group. So No, I yeah. haven't actually. Like, that's why I was like, have we? Because, like, you're my group. <laughs> I feel like it's really hard to say that you're traditional Wicca unless yeah. you've been initiated into, into a, a coven. And yeah. that's what he talked about. Okay. So he did say that and I think from what he talked about he has. Okay. So yeah. I felt his comparisons were fair. Okay. So when he talks about Wicca he means Gardenian and Alexandrian. So really I won't want to say old-fashioned but in my mind the traditional forms of yeah. the new type of Wicca. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Alexandrian and Gardenian. So they have some different they have differences. There's different rituals are different, magical tools, carbon structure is different, and solitary work. So Gardenian and Alexandrian form of Wicca 
have very standard ritual structures that only vary a little bit between groups. So I won't go into that because I can hardly remember the details of the structure now, but, you know, there's ways to call the quarters, there's ways to cast circle. That's pretty standard across most groups. Mm-hmm. There's little differences between groups, but when you're in a Gardenian coven, you know what you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. So traditional witchcraft is much more ec- ecstatic. Ah, that makes sense, mm. yeah. Ecstatic, not eclectic, yeah. Yes. So often a ritual elements such as words and gestures um, will come to the practitioner spontaneously. So you'll be in circle and you'll be like, I've got to say this. I'm going to call the quarter like this or I'm going to not call the quarter at all. I'm going to do this other thing. Yeah. There's also some particular rituals or components of ritual that are specific to traditional witchcraft, which I am going to talk a little bit about, especially one. Um, they're called the Compass Round, Treading the Mill, and the Housel. Housel. I call it Housel, H-O-U-S-E-L. If anyone knows exactly how to say that, please correct me. <laughs> Sorry, you'll hear it a lot through this. There's also different tools used, although they are similar. Um, the Stang, S-T-A-N-G, is particularly important to traditional witches. They use that. I won't say in place of like anathame, but in a different way. Uh-huh. So a stang is essentially a walking stick, mm-hmm. a tall one, so five feet with the little horns at the top. We'll try and find a picture because I'm not explaining that more because I'm terrible at that kind of thing. No, I, I know what that looks like. Yes, so but I cool. had I gestured to you. Uh, I think I had it before you gestured. Oh, good. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah um, I had heard of a stang before this and I thought it was a bit, actually I thought it was a bit wanky. But now I've read about it, it's like, oh, okay, I actually understand more about it now and it makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so some other interesting differences between Wicca in particular and traditional witchcraft. I'm going to go into this a little bit because it made me think about it. Sure. More than this isn't a comment on Wicca, like Alexandrian or Agardinian. It's just differences. Yeah, you're not saying one's irrelevant. You're saying they're both exist and they yeah. have differences yeah exactly yeah and pointing out some of them because when i first read about witchcraft it was wicca yeah and yeah. some of my inbuilt even now things all these years later that i think of as like basic this, yeah this challenges or this puts a different spin on yeah that i hadn't thought of in as much detail yeah. until I read this. So yeah. that's why I'm going through these differences. It's yeah. not a comment on the validity of. Yeah. Okay. So traditional witches are usually solitary. There's no degree system. The titles and roles are a little bit different within groups that do exist, but you don't have to be part of a group. The coven leaders are called magisters or the maidens or magistra. Um, magister with an ER is for the guys, the dudes, as I wrote down. And the maiden is um, the female leader of a coven. I don't think they have to have both. Okay. A coven can just be led by a person. Yeah. And I think they can be led by a person without a title. Like I don't think they have to take on that title. Is is there a reason why they chose those terms? Like maiden is such a, a kind of, sorry, I don't mean gross, but. I didn't like it either. (laughs) Personally, I didn't like Maiden. It comes from a guy called Robert Cochran. Oh, okay. 
I know who Robert Cochran is. I read a little bit in like in this book about him and I was going to research more about him because I had heard his name. He had an interesting relationship with Gerald Gardner. Yeah. They didn't get along basically and they fought about stuff <laughs> essentially. Disagreed a lot. But he, Keldon didn't go into – he. there was a chapter on history and people um, during Valentine. So Valiente, but that's, that's probably, probably wrong. No, 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 no. I just remember <laughs> she starts with V and she's really important and that's – I don't remember her last name, so what Liz said. She was also heavily involved. She was initiated into Robert Cochran's coven at the time mm-hmm. and helped develop his rituals. That's why I know who he is because I read her biography. Yep. So she was heavily involved after getting Jack of Gerald Gardner and writing all his rituals but then going, nah, he's a bit of a sexist pig, I'm going to leave. Yep. So she went to Robert Cochran after that. Right, yes, that's coming back to me. So in my mind, like, she had developed her craft in her own self because she'd been practising with Gardner and then came to Robert Cochran's group which is called Clan of the something. <laughs> Cave Bear. No, close. Close. Yeah, Liz's pronunciation of her name was correct. <laughs> Clan of Tubal Cain. I'll put it in the show notes. These are the opinions of the author, Keldon. Some of you may disagree. In Wicca, little emphasis is placed on connecting with the landscape. Nature is experienced symbolically as a metaphor for the tradition-specific mythos. So, like, the wheel of the year is followed, but it's more as a narrative of the gods than a way to work with and honour the natural world. And when I thought about it from, like, the basics of what I'd learned a long time ago, Mm. real traditional, again, Alexandrian, Gardenian, Wicca, yes, you're right. I, I hadn't thought because I have modified my practice yeah. so far since I started. Mm. You're right. It was all about the goddess and the birth of the sun yeah. and all that kind of but holy as a, king and oak king. As and, a vehicle. So yeah. the, the, the wheel of the year was just a vehicle for your god and goddess story. Yeah, right. Which, did, which also really confused me because there was the seasonal stuff in there. Yeah. But then they talked a real lot about, oh, but at this time of the year the goddess is blah, 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 and the god is blah, blah, blah. And I was like. But what about this other stuff about nature? Does that not count? Yeah, see, I ended up focusing on that and chucking out the God stuff. So, (laughs) yeah, okay. So essentially you just became a traditional witch. (laughs) Sort of. (laughs) So traditional witchcraft is very animalistic. Mm. Did I say that right? So the worldview is that everything has spirit. So sort of that, to me that's a shaman thing. It's not, but you get what I mean. Like everything holds a spiritual energy of its own. Yeah. There's emphasis on um, the genus genus Loci or Loki, L-O-C-I, which is the spirit of the place, spirit of a place whom guards a specific area of land. So it's like where you live, you interact with the genus Loci and that's the guardian of that piece of land. So the apple tree man, in a way, is a genus loci. I mean, you're, you're, you're blowing my mind a little bit because this is so much part of my natural practice and I... I thought you might think that way. Because like, my mind was blown too because I was like, oh, here's a, here's, a, here's a way that's set out that is actually what I think now. 
<laughs> I just did it. I didn't even know. No, me neither. I need to read this book. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's cool. <laughs> I haven't finished it yet. <clears throat> okay, so well, the, it's genius loci. That's how I would say it. But I keep getting mixed up. Like I trip up on genius. Yeah. G-E-N-I-U-S and then L-O-C-I. But it's the land spirit, but it's the guardian, so the overall land spirit. Because yeah. there's also the land whites, which are the land spirits in the like in the trees or in the flowers or in the plants or so they call them land whites. Yeah. So the practices are based on where the witch is, not somewhere else like Britain. All of nature is considered significant. So where you are is important, mm-hmm. not the traditions of your well, the homeland of Alexandrian and Guardian witchcraft. So yeah. taking the wheel of the year from the Northern Hemisphere and putting it onto here isn't going to work. No. And that's not part of their tradition. If it mm. does work for Great. you, that's fine. Yeah. You can do that and yeah. you can still be a traditional witch, but you have to interact with the spirit of the land of the place that you live in. Yeah. And if they're like, that's shit, stop it, you, that's you have to do what they say. I mean, sort yeah. of. Yeah, like I've been yeah. on a rock and it was like, get off me. And I was like, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Actually, I've had I've had a scary experience where I've gone into to places and the spirits in that place. I thought they were possibly ancestral person spirits, but it yeah. may be the spirit of the land. And it was yeah. like, no, get out. Yeah, this isn't for you. Go. You, you have to leave now or we're going to like. Hey. I don't know. No. Pretty, well, yeah. that's what it felt like. Like I was in mortal peril. Yeah. That's how it felt and I yeah. left very quickly. I mean, so what, what I guess what you're saying with the differences here is mm. that you're tapping into very different energies. One's mm. the place and one's the the energy of the will of the year. So. so I suppose the difference is that the god and goddess mythos yeah. of somewhere else is what – the Wiccan tradition would follow. So it doesn't matter if we're in Australia, we're following yeah. the British tradition. Yeah. yeah, we might switch the wheel six yeah. months, sure, that's fine. Yeah. But for a traditional witch, the place where you are, the spirits that you are in, the in the spirits in the place that you're in, yeah. the plants, the animals, nature, that's much more important mm-hmm. than following the wheel of the year even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, mm, I that's the difference. difference. Yeah. yeah, this was also re- this was interesting to me. So another interesting difference: Wiccans commune with the divine on the physical plane in the circle. So the high priestess or the high priest calls the gods, goddess, other spirits to come into the circle, and often, which is not part of what I've done, but they channel them. So you know, drawing down the moon, that kind of thing, and that's it. Like mm. they call the spirit into circle. They say it's this. They, I know that the circle is like a space between and that yeah. kind of thing, but they're called to here. Yeah, not you going to there. The traditional witch also does that. Like, there's a way of creating a ritualized space, which is very similar, uh-huh. but they call it something quite different. And they will call the spirits in to do work, and the gods and goddesses, if they do that, and like they call watchtowers and things like that as well sometimes. Uh-huh. So is that – sorry, I'm going to interrupt you a gazillion times. That's okay. So is, I do you. <laughs> <laughs> so is that um, – is it a – what am I trying to say? Do you want me to finish the point? Yeah, finish the point okay. and I'll ask. So traditional witches also do that. They call the spirits to them. They work with the gods and goddesses. They do magic here 
in their space between, mm-hmm. so in their ritual space, like the circle. But they also go to the other world and yeah. they do magic in the other world, so they will astrally travel to another place to work with the spirits there. Yeah. Which is definitely not something I have heard much about in many forms of witchcraft. Not that I know everything about every form of witchcraft. <laughs> but in my reading of a number of years now, that isn't something. Like we cast circle and the circle is still in the physical but it's a between place mm-hmm. and we don't travel somewhere. It's still actually here. Like it's still in the physical but it's sort of it's time out of time, place out of place kind of stuff. Okay. And then we do ma- we call the spirits to us and do magic. Yeah. Whereas the traditional witch will create the ritual space but then astrally travel to the other world, which is different realms, and then do magic in the same way there. This is having some really big similarities with um, like another word I can't pronounce, Scyther, like the S-E-I-D-R, the the Nordic sort of Icelandic. Well, haven't they looked at like the poems and the Edas and things like that and rebuilt that? That's right, yes. Which is that's what traditional witches do. But it's a little bit, I guess it's a little bit different to that because that's more about journeying and, and that kind of thing. So I'm kind of seeing that that kind of similarity. Well, working in the other world is more important than working with nature. Yeah. It came second Okay, in the points. Okay. So magic's first, other world, nature. Then nature. Okay. Some people don't actually have it ordered, yeah. but from what I've read, working with the other world can have more significance than working with nature. Sure. However, they're all pretty – they're all important. They're basic elements, so. Um, I just wanted to make – ask the question I was going to ask before. Okay, yeah, yeah um, go. Which was, is is the reason why the circle cast, is it for the same reasons in traditional witchcraft? To work magic, essentially. To contain – okay. I get into it. Okay, sorry. <laughs> That's Okay. I did that to you. <laughs> um, okay, so magic. It's fundamental to traditional witchcraft and they don't have the K on the end, which. I always hated that. Oh, it's an Al- Alistair Crowley thing. So uh, I, I had a soft spot for it, but. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> it's a letter. <laughs> it's a, like I got why it was done, but it's kind of wanky. But yeah. Um, like an interesting note. An interesting quote, I should say. Every witch possesses a cosmic flame within their soul, a burning reservoir of sorcerous power that awaits our action, call to action. So you have internal power, mm-hmm. but you're, there's also external power. So you build your own power from within you, which is traditionally how I do magic, but you also call on powers from elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So more hoodoo-ish. Okay. So you put things together that have an internal self-held power from nature and then you can send that out. Okay. But you usually combine the two. So you raise power from yourself but then you can also use elements and really draw that power into you and then you put it out. Okay. It's kind of how magic is done. There's no universal set of ethics. There's no, what, what is it, like? Yeah. And do no harm but do what you will kind of thing. Yeah. No you, you can harm all you want yeah. if you can take the repercussions, but there may be none. Yeah. So it's not like there's a cosmic No, there's force. no threefold return yeah. law, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, baneful magic is common practice. Okay. Baneful, baleful. Okay. 
So you can hex if you want. Yeah. That's fine. You're protecting yourself. That's how it's viewed. So it's you have to go with the repercussions. So if you hex someone, what you put out is seen to come back, but not in that sort of if you put something out, it'll come back th- three times or whatever. There's no there's no law. There's no universal law of ethics. So is it sort of more like if you hex someone and then you saw how that affected them badly and you felt guilt from that, that's kind of the repercussion rather than the... Or you could just feel fine. Okay. You'd be like, yes, that bitch is dead. Yeah. Okay. And that's it. Okay. You have to decide how you deal with whatever happens. Okay. So it's 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 personal sovereignty or self-rule. You decide. Yeah. So there's no threefold law. There's no yeah. Yeah. what you put out comes back yeah. necessarily. Yeah. If you believe that or you feel that, then it's fine. And also, like, I think there is not necessarily generally but, you know, positivity and putting out good energy is still seen as a good thing and generally you would want to do that more than hex everyone because they stole your pen at work but you can i can can. (laughs) you can like it's it's not frowned upon like it is like he he gives you like banishing and binding spells in the book yeah. So I, I guess a good example of this is when you see the, those little online arguments that start when someone says, I want to do this spell, which some people would view as hexing and all the people are like, no, you can't do it. And like, yeah, it's like, well, who cares? Sure, you can, you can do, do it. it. You can do whatever you want. You do it. whatever you want. You're your own person. But yeah. if it comes back and bites you in the ass, you have to deal. Yeah. 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 But it's not. I get you. It's not. It's bad because you're doing a bad thing maybe but i mean if you're people wanted to bind donald trump <laughs> and there was a big furore over it yeah but they just wanted to bind him to stop him doing harm yeah um so the traditional wish must decide right versus wrong for themselves cool there's no there's there's not a law it must be understood that magic has consequences good or bad so it's it's not inherently good or bad to do anything magical but there will be consequences and you just have to decide yourself what you want to do so there is a section on baneful magic it's part of traditional witchcraft and there's heaps of folklore about it there's heaps of stuff in the witch trials about them doing because of course that's all they were interested in did you make a pact with the devil oh of course yeah yeah. So it's there. So yeah. is this where they've got a lot of their knowledge from is from the trials and yeah okay Mm-mm-mm. I think you might yes. have said that before <laughs> No. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I did say historic, like folklore and historic. Yeah. So there's four categories of baneful magic. There's the curse. Now, I, th- I thought this was really interesting because it actually laid it out. So there's a curse, which is an act of magic that causes long-term or permanent harm. Mm-hmm. There's a hex, which is an act of magic that causes short-term or temporary harm. Oh. So I wouldn't suggest cursing anybody. Uh-huh. There's banishing, which magically expels or does away with something or a person. And there's binding, which magically restrains or encapsulates incapacitate someone or something so there it is it was laid out so i thought that was pretty cool um personally i've bound people (laughs) from me and from doing harm and it worked well very well i have someone in my freezer why yeah um also like in the book he said some people have issue with 
like doing healing on other people without their knowledge, like yeah. that's seen as yeah. not kosher. It's like interfering with their free will. Yeah, which yeah. I which I kind of got. Yeah. But thinking about this, the whole baneful magic thing, I was like, I get it. Like I really got into that and I was like, no, it has to be really, really positive. Like I can't ever do anything that's even a little bit negative in any way because it will come back to me. Like that, I had that like in my person that was a basic thing, but I have also bound people, but, you know. But it was like other things that I had read about, not witchcraft stuff, but like new agey things. And it was like, oh, you've got to be positive because if you put out negative, you get negative back. And to a degree that was true, but I also felt like I'd lost a lot of agency in my life. Yeah. Because I couldn't, I also couldn't get rid of crappy stuff because I always had to be positive. Mm-hmm interesting is all i'm saying i just i just you just made me think about um there's an episode of the good place yes 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 and there's someone who's figured out the cosmic order to try and get into heaven rather than oh, yeah. hell Do oh you remember yeah, yeah that episode no and i haven't watched any of the good place oh. <laughs> i know i don't want to but and it's me his whole life ends up being like you know, I stepped on a beetle, that's minus 10 points. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. And so, like, it's kind of like that. Some people live like that. Yeah. Like, you've got to be high vibe all the time and you yeah. really, you cannot even think a negative thought because it will have these terrible, like, implications on your life and you'll have to then make up for it, like, over and over and all this stuff. Like, and it's – Then you're not living a life. It's stressful. Yeah. Mm. So – Reading this book and even going, yeah, it's baleful magic. Go for it. Baneful magic, go. Yeah. If you want to, if you're ready to deal with whatever happens, which may or may not be anything, go for it. That was and it was so unusual because I'm like, this is so frowned upon now. Like, it baneful magic, which I keep calling baleful, and I apologize. Baneful with an N, like bane. Yeah. Not. Not. No. 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 Love and light all the way. Can't. Can't even talk about it. And I have seen that in a lot of a fair bit of stuff recently. I don't know if it's just what's been in my sphere of, you know, what I've noticed, mm. but it seems to be more and more like to be at all accepted, as we were talking about before, with the like openly being a witch or anything like that. It had to all be super light and fluffy. Like it all had to be for good and the good of all. So harmony and undy, what you will this is for my highest good and harming none. Like that's typically now the ending to any spell or incantation. It's it's impossible. But it doesn't work. It's impossible to not yeah. harm anyone in some ways. I mean, mm. you don't do it deliberately. No, 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 no. Yeah. But Well, you can. Well, you can. <laughs> According to this, so, if, if yeah. you wanted to. I mean, you could. Yeah. But sometimes you harm people in a, inintentionally. Because we can't see the threads of all. The yeah. threads of all the possibilities of what we do yeah. because we're human. We don't have the capacity to see what our actions will actually cause right down the line. Mm. And it could be terrible. It could be great. So you could you could hex somebody and they are stopped from doing something but that leads them off to do some, who, who knows, something great. Yeah, You have no way of knowing that. Mm. It could also just really hurt their feelings or something but, <laughs> you know, it could have terrible imp- repercussions. That's the point. We're human. We don't know that. Yeah. So trying to do that, like I would often, I feel I have quite powerful abilities to just sort of speak word and then it happens. Mm-hmm. 
And I had begun to end, like, go through all the possibilities and go, oh, maybe no, and oh, don't, but don't, basically do this but don't hurt anyone. Mm-hmm. And I don't want anyone to get hurt by me wanting this thing. Go out and please, spirit, bring this to me or, or have it happen. Never worked. It feels like by saying, <coughs> and I, I'm not criticising that at all, so if that's your jam, that's fine. But it does feel like that you're setting up your spell for failure to say too many rules and regulations. Yeah, it. like and you harm none, do as you will, or whatever it is. Um, then you know, if but you've if, got a job over someone else, does that cause them harm? For example, well, it does. So does that mean that your spells now won't I mean, work? I'm sure there are lots of podcasts that have talked about this, but it's mm-hmm. just like an interesting point. Okay, um, but basically, yeah, because I was ending spells with um, for my highest good and the good of all. Yeah, that's not going to work. The good of all. There's a lot of people. In this There's planet. a lot of people. In and when I say the good of all, I didn't say the good of all people. It was like everything, the planet, like, the yeah. universe. I thought of these existence. things. <laughs> all different existences. Nothing worked. And then traditional witchcraft came along and, oh, that's why. Okay. Now. I'll quickly go over the magical process. It's not particularly... I didn't feel it was very, very different from other forms of witchcraft. So the magical process for the traditional witch involves four steps. You determine your intention, you visualise your intention, and those two steps, yes, you know, set it out quite specifically because you're opened everything with your baneful magic, so you've got to set your stipulations more carefully um, than, you know, that don't end on for my highest good and the good of all because it won't work. So you have to set your stipulations really quite carefully, you're, you're, so determining your intention. And then visualising your intention, that's generally done and, yes, you sit down and you close your eyes and you visualise, at least in the spells that Keldum outlined in the book. Okay. Then you raise or channel power. Now, from what was in the book, you generally do a bit of both and then you integrate them before you project the combined power and intention. So you put it all together at the end, which wasn't really explained, but you basically get your visualization, your intention, your visualization of your intention, your power, the power from inside you and outside you, you put it all together and you blast it out into the universe. Okay, I can see how that would Mm. work. Okay. So not amazingly different, but a few sort of a little different. Mm -hmm. And there's an emphasis on the visualisation to a degree but raising the power and getting the power from yourself, which is generally how I did magic, which is why I always exhausted myself, but drawing on power from, you know, from nature or the gods and goddesses you call in, you're allowed to take power from them, the Mm -hmm. spirits you call in, that's why they're there, Mm -hmm. to lend you power. And when I say lend, yes, actually lend. And there's... I. When I was doing magic because of the way I am, I I could raise a lot of power myself mm-hmm. and I did almost all of my magic without drawing on power from others or any natural object mm-hmm. because it felt not right Yeah, because it could harm them. Yeah. There we go, that harm you none. Yeah. But this is saying, no, you do that. And when you call the spirit into the circle, because I have been offered power by spirit to do spell and have refused. Yeah. And spell... Often didn't work. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> but this is saying that's okay, and that's what that's why you're calling them. 
and this is this is new and different to me. It might not be new and different to anybody else listening to this podcast, but to me that was it's eye-opening because I always thought, um, you know, you don't know what their intention are if you take their power from a spirit or a being, like what, what are they doing? And if you take it from like a plant or even a stone or something that you have, like they have they given permission or like there's all those kinds of questions, whereas with this it's like, no, that's why they're there. And you've built a relationship with them. So that's the point. Yeah. So you know you have you a know it's okay towards how yeah. it's going to work out. Yeah, okay. And even the objects that you bring in, it's like that's why they're there. Yeah. So you ask permission when you gather. Yeah. Which means they know what's going on. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. This is already because it's all about pact agreement with. So build the relationship. Then you work the magic together. There's a lot of similarities with conjuring here. Yeah. I thought that too, and I don't know very much about conjuring, yeah. but I have been – Wanting to look into it, but then I read this and I'm like, this. Well, yeah, well, why would you mm. do another? Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, the source of power was interesting. Yes, you raise power internally from yourself, from the witch, but you also draw on external powers. So you channel from outside yourself. So, like from nature or the spirits that you've called in. And there's more emphasis on drawing from others than yourself. Oh. To a degree, from my interpretation. So it's a you're working together, it's equal. Mm-hmm. So you equally draw your own power as you draw external power. It's teamwork. Yep. You're making an agreement. That's why they're there. When the, a source of power comes from nature, like a plant or a stone, the power is referred to as virtue. So the stone's virtue or the plant's virtue, the virtue of. I call on the virtue of the rose plant or this rose. I just like to term virtue. That essentially <laughs> meant power. <laughs> Um, so quickly, the basic tools are the stang. That was one of the most important tools that they use. And they all have really basic names. So it's stang, which is the most difficult to understand. The cauldron, broomstick, knife, cup, dish, candles and incense, natural items like feathers, stones, etc. And then altar. So there's no, there's the athame is the knife. The okay. chalice is the dish. Yep. Or the cup. No fancy names here. Yeah. And, again, I suppose kind of like voodoo, hoodoo, conjure kind of stuff. It's just the stuff you have in your house. Yeah, it's what's accessible without needing to be. You don't have to go out. There's actually a slight emphasis like he goes through each of the tools and how to make them. Uh Uh-huh. Because you imbue it with power Uh as you make it. So that's where it's different to hoodoo. Yeah. Yeah. But, um. You don't have to. You can buy everything if you want, but you don't have to. Yeah. And the knife doesn't have to be this beautiful ritual gilded handle knife. Yeah. You can use a kitchen knife if it's there. Yeah. might not have as much power imbued into it and you probably want to cleanse it before, but you can. Yeah. Um, Another interesting thing was hallow or hallowing, which is the act of magically cleansing, blessing, or otherwise imbuing an object with magical power. So it's cleansing. But they call it Halloween, which I, again, I like the term. <laughs> so a few more quick things and then I'll get to why I actually did this. Spell work. So there's an emphasis on creating spells from what is contained within folklore. So if you read a story, again, it's kind of like um, the wassailing. So there's historical evidence of it. There's tales about it. And when he says folklore, often it's written down and it's 
folklore includes some of the historic written accounts of the witch trials. Uh-huh. He includes that in folklore uh-huh. because how accurate is a story from the 1600s? You know, like, yes, it's written down in court records, but yeah, of course. when it's a witch trial. Yeah, mm. what was tortured out of you that wasn't yeah. true. So yeah. he says folklore. Yeah. So that's folklore is quite broad. Yeah. Which I should have said at the beginning. Sorry. <laughs> um <laughs> So the kind of spells they do, amulets, charm bags, witches' bottles, witches' ladders, knotted cords, poppets, and, yes, poppets with the hoodoo, voodoo kind of stabbing poppets, and image magic. So all of those are outlined in the book. He gives you ways to do that. And, yes, the poppet, the example of poppet and image magic is baneful. So it's how to influence a person by using a poppet. So image magic is like... Image of a person. Of a person rather than, okay, okay, got it. But also I think there's something in there about like um, using a mirror to call spirit as well. Okay. So that kind of image. Okay. In this case, yeah, it's poppet magic, poppet and image. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, it's a baneful spell. Okay. So it was how to control a person. I think it was binding was the example that he used for the poppet. Mm -hmm. So it was you you made the poppet and then you made it into the image of the person or inserted a photograph of them into it because mm-hmm. it was clay and so you put the made a little hole and put the photo in and covered it up and then you did whatever you wanted he didn't specify if you wanted to bind them or if you wanted to put them in the freezer that's what you did yeah and that was fine yeah okay now i'm going to talk a little bit about the witch father and the witch mother which I loved. So which father and which mother are the masculine and feminine archetype deities or deities? That's the term they use. They also use um, witch king and witch queen. And I was like, witch king? Oh, my God. Is that the Nazgul? No, no, which I thought was really funny. We need to call one bean and pea. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um. So a primary goal for all traditional witches, according to Kelden, is to establish long-lasting, mutually beneficial relationships with many types of spirits. So many traditional witches work with gods, goddesses, but not all of them do and not all of them align with any deity at all. There's no hard and fast rules around deity. So you could have none if you wanted. Um so you could be like a scientific atheist witch and Pretty still much. do traditional witchcraft. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, getcha. Um, so there's no need to believe in anything. It's a practice, yeah. as you said. It's a practice. It's not a belief system at all. Yeah. You put the beliefs over the top if you want. Yeah. Um, the archetypical deities found in traditional witchcraft, again, according to Keldon, I'm assuming this may not be universal at all. He sort of puts across that it is, but... It might not be. Okay. Because you don't have to believe in anything. Okay. Really. However, they call them the witch witch father and witch mother, which I, I did I I liked the okay. terms. Um and yeah, witch king and witch queen, <laughs> which I don't think I could ever go with because um Lord of the Rings. Um and these depictions of the archetypes are based on what is found in folklore. So with the witch mother, 
While the witch mother has been likened to Hecate and a number of other goddesses and would be familiar to some other types of witches, so she's a mixture of creator, destroyer, bringer of life, but also death, and like is quite a complex character, the witch father was really, really interesting. So all of the, as much as they can, they take the depictions of the archetypes from folklore. So witches traditionally in folklore who was the deity that they interacted with okay in written accounts okay it was the devil okay so and the witch father who is also the divine masculine he he um he holds conflicting facets but in traditional witchcraft at least according to Keldon, one of the witch father's faces according to folklore is the devil okay and that's except yep lucifer's also spoken about and that's accepted. Yeah. And it, it, it's just accepted. So it's just it could be the only face of the divine masculine you interact with or it could be one of many. Many, okay. So a lot of it does follow along the lines of like, you know, king of the harvest, king of animals, but also the life-death thing as well. But um, the, the devil depiction isn't the Christian Satan but the devil of folklore. So often they tricked him. Like they trick, could trick the devil. He could be stupid. You know, he yeah. wasn't the king of all demons. Yeah. Um, so Keldon also does write about how all non-Christian gods were smooshed together in the old folklore and the account, like the witch trial accounts, into like devil. Yeah. So yes, the fact that they all worshipped, worked with the devil could have been. It could have been Pan. It could have been. A nature god, but it's just because it wasn't Christian. They were like, "No, nah, it's the devil." Yeah. So, yes, it could be written in the accounts as devil, but it could have been not this, not Satan, not Satan. You know what I mean? <laughs> not Satan. <laughs> Big Willie. So, sorry, what was that again? Not Satan. Not Satan. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it could it could have been any number of local spirits or local deity, but it was. Attributed, not not the God in the clouds from Christianity. Yeah. So it's obviously the devil. Yeah. So yes, that is talked about in the book and pointed out, but they do lean on that Dark Lord thing a little bit okay. from the sound of it. Okay. But it's not the only face of the witch father that you know. There's also the more traditional witchcraft masculine deity you know, god of the harvest kind of thing that we know about. So that's also part of this archetype. So it's just the divine feminine and the divine masculine. That's all that these these two are. Like it's not, it doesn't have to be the devil, but that's accepted is the point, which I think is really interesting because it is like the witch mother does have like a destroyer, like a Kali yeah. aspect to her so she can cut you down and kill you. If she wanted, she can teach you a really hard lesson by, you know, doing something seemingly terrible to you. Yeah. So can the witch father. And just like any other spirit, you approach these two as an equal to work with. So this isn't worship, which is why the devil aspect works because you're not going in and worshipping them. No. You're saying, hey, witch father, in your aspect as devil, I want to do this work. Yeah. After you've built the relationship with him. So you go out and you meet him and you converse as an equal and then you're like, hey, okay, so 
We've gotten to know each other. Let's move on to second base. Can we do some magical work? So because it's not worship, even though it may have been called worship in the folklore, it's interactions, it's working with. I'm shrugging here. So that's just, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not worshipping. So it's a working relationship, the same as any other spirit. So, yeah, the spirit of that little bit of dirt over there, you approach that the same way as you approach the witch father, respectfully, with dignity, build the relationship, then you do the work if that's what you want. So to me it was like completely, it was a little bit mind-blowing because it's this is a god, like this is their archetype yeah. of the divine, the fully, the archetype of the divine masculine or feminine. And you just approach them as, hey, you want to do some work together as equals, as partners? I hadn't thought about that before in that way. It was always, oh, if they bestow upon me, like this is, you know, the goddess, the goddess overall, they might want to work with me. That's a bit intimidating. Oh, I hope it's okay. I better blah, 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 blah. This is not like that. Yeah. And that was pretty, that was, that was intense for me. I, it was very liberating. Mm-hmm. It's important to note that the devil is just an aspect of the witch father, but it's an interesting one. It really shows what traditional witchcraft is like because it's a working relationship. It's not worship of. And other names for the witch father include the black woodsman and the man in black. Oh, no. And I have heard talk, like older relatives of mine, they talk about the man in black. Does he have a hat? Yep. Because, <sighs> you know, death, death, the man in black's coming to meet you and take you, which was interesting as well. I'm, I'm finding it interesting that even though he says there are differences between Wicca and this, I'm seeing a lot of similarities as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess it's because it's come from the same source material. It's just a different interpretation of the same source material. Is that kind well, of the... Robert Cochran and Gerald Gardner were... Robert Cochran was um, a first-degree Wiccan. Okay, yeah, because there's a lot of, like, you know, the, there's a lot the of dual... Sim- female masculine and like you know creating circles and watchtowers and and different faces of like like in wicker it's like the god and goddess so Mm. like i'm i'm seeing some similarities there well the thing with it is um it's not as hard and fast as some wiccan like they don't have to have deity and some people totally just worship the devil as the devil okay and that's also fine yeah or you know some people I'm taking this, this is what was written in the book, so, you know, this is me not knowing anything. <laughs> um, you know, so some traditional witches, they totally not worship, but they work with a, a goddess or god as that goddess or god. It's yeah. not a facet. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. It's emphasised a little bit when we went into the devil stuff. Yeah. Because there is slight sanitation there. But, yeah, it would be except if you wanted to work with the devil as part of this tradition, you could. Huh. 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 Okay. And even as the Satan devil, I would think, but I wouldn't. I'm not suggesting that. But you are free to make the decision yourself, is the point. This is uh, going to sound weird, but this is deja vu for me. We've had this conversation before. We have had this conversation before. Okay, in person? Yes. Okay, I'm like, did I dream all of this? In, like- this, <laughs> in this room? Yes. Okay, okay. Hardcore. As soon as you said this and you're looking around and say, this is deja vu, I was like, oh, fuck, totally. Yeah. Hardcore. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. 
I'm almost done. No, 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 no. That wasn't that. Wasn't that. I was just like, I swear yeah, this has happened before. <laughs> no, we're going very long. No, 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 no. Please, I told for like two hours. It's your turn. We'll see if I can get there. We're at three. <laughs> um, now, this is the juicy part. So this is the rituals. This is why I wanted to do this. So I'll go through the three rituals that are particular to traditional witchcraft. So there's three common three so rituals. Three are commonplace and they all come from Robert Cochran. So there's the compass round, treading the mill, and the housel. They're all, they all are modern inventions. Cochrane put them together. Okay. But they're all based on folklore. Right. So you can see where they all sort of reach back into something that has been depicted or wrote, written about. Okay. So the compass round, it's casting circle. He would hate that I said that, but that's what it is. <laughs> okay. So the compass round, it's a ritually constructed circular-shaped working space. It's separate from the mundane world for working magic and communing with spirit. It's comparable to a semi-permeable membrane. It keeps out the bad, physical or otherworldly, but allows the good to enter. It's a circle, but it's not. He took great pains not to call it a circle at all or to talk about casting. Separation. Yes, but it's re- it is really similar However, I think the language they use is really different. Okay. You don't cast the compass. So I'll get to that. Okay, so it's the compass round is central traditional witchcraft. The compass is a liminal place, a doorway through which to enter the other world, which I thought was actually why the separation was being made. Okay. Because it's a doorway. Mm-hmm. So with circle, you call things to you. Like mm-hmm. I said, spirits come to you, but it's still the physical plane even if it's between. you can The compass round can be used to go to other places. So that's why I think the language is different and that real difference was sort of emphasised in what Keldon wrote. Mm-hmm. So the compass, it's actually a compass. So the compass is synonymous with circle. But it's also the navigational tool, again, the doorway. So you use it as a way to navigate. So calling it, so the compass as the navigational tool, it makes sense as traditional witches use their compass round to navigate other realms. So I hadn't thought of circling this way before, like more traditional Wiccan circles. Yeah. But the compass is almost used as a form of transport. Uh-huh. So you go to another place where a circle, they come to you. And I think that's, in my very uneducated, in traditional witchcraft way, that's how I see the difference. So you can use it, the compass round is like both ways, whereas circle, you cast it and they come. Build it and they will come. But with the with um, a compass round, it's it's like a doorway as well as, so they can come but you can go. It makes sense. It's kind of like <coughs> if you're doing like journey work yep. and you go into a tree and you climb down the roots and into it's that side of thing. It's like the, yeah, yeah, okay. So yes, I know. I've been in. I've cast circle and then I've done like a journeying. Yeah, but this is specifically set yeah. up to facilitate that. Yeah, yeah. That mm. makes, okay. I get it. That makes sense. So the ritual process for creating the compass round. It's whoa. <sighs> I saw a kitty. 
the ritual process for creating the compass round, it's called, it's called laying the compass. So you lay it. You don't cast it. You lay. Yeah. So you lay the compass round. I think it's always, you can say laying the compass, uh-huh. but I think it's usually compass round. So you usually say I lay, I'm laying the compass round. Okay. But, yeah. So you've got to lay the compass. Um, the spirits of the four directions are called, so north, south, east, and west. Um, you also call the spirits of above and below. Okay. So it's six ways. Yeah. So it creates a six ways crossroad and the midway point is your physical body in the middle. Okay. And that's how you travel. Okay. It's related to, I haven't written this down because I read this very late last night. It's laid, it's related to the world tree. So you call it the above and below and you're in the middle. So there's the mid world, the upper and the lower. I mean with Norse cosmology, yeah, yeah, I yeah, get yeah, it. yeah, yeah. And so you travel along the tree, so that's your road. Yeah, but it's the meeting point in the middle. Yeah, and you make that meeting point within that safe space. Okay, yeah. I get that. The directions are given the elements, vir- elemental virtues, power. Sorry. Oh, the directions are given the elemental virtue or power most appropriate to where you are. So. It's not separate tradition. So fire could be in the east or in the west or earth could be in the south. So look at where you are and what's important and you attribute the elemental virtues to that direction. Okay. So you could attribute water and the virtues of water to the south. So in Tassie there's a lot of water below it. It's kind of what we've done anyway because Mm. of being in a different landscape. Yeah. Yeah. But this is actually – what you should be doing yeah. for this tradition. Mm. So Robert Cochran had a particular method of laying the compass, which not all traditional witches follow, but this is I thought it was cool. Okay. So three constant concentric, I can't look at the word and say it, three concentric circle rings, sometimes called motes. So he lays, he has three concentric rings and they're sometimes called motes because they were physically dug into the ground. Okay. They were physically dug into the ground around a central point. The rings are created from the outside moving inwards as each one represents a different stage in the life cycle that must be crossed in order to reach the other world. The first ring is made of salt, which stands for life. The second is made from ash, traditionally birch or willow wood ash, which stands for death and rebirth. And the third is made from a mixture of water, wine, vinegar and sugar, which stands for the river that is crossed to get into the other world. At the very centre of the space lies what Cochrane called the castle or the place where the four or six directions meet. I have never cast a circle like that. Me either. Laid a compass. But I think it would be pretty, it, it, it answers, it fits more with what I would do now mm-hmm. and it feels like it's more powerful. So Keldon did like go into there's a there's a laying of the compass. There's a couple of laying of the compass rituals. There's so there's a Cochrane one with the three circles, and there's a, a simpler one which is just one circle, which has the three. So the the water, wine, vinegar, sugar mix, the salt and the ash. But you do it in one over the top of each other. There's words put 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 into that like there's you know there's structure there's a ritual in there yeah but um he also says 
like when it's talking about calling to the different directions, he doesn't actually give you anything. Yeah. He just says call to them if you like if you feel how like you feel is best. Yeah. So, yes, it's laid out once, but after that it's like, you know, at the beginning it's called the directions above and below as well. And then at the end it's like give thanks and gratitude to the spirits and the virtues and the directions. That's it. So it's not prescribed, which I thought was cool. So even in like his demo stuff, it's not fully prescribed to you. You don't have to do this or have to do that, which I thought was great. Okay, so the next thing I'm going to really quickly talk about is the housel because treading the mill is fucking awesome <laughs> and I'm leaving that to last. So the housel, H-O-U-S-E-L. So I say housel. I could be wrong. So this is a ritual of communion, communing and thanksgiving during which the spirits are offered food and drink. Okay. A form of cakes and ale but not. Again, Keldon probably wouldn't like me saying that but whatever. Because it's used as a way to fortify the traditional witch's relationship with the spirits. So okay. you can do a housel on its own as its own ritual. Because mm-hmm. basically it's like, hey, guys, have food. Yeah. It's just leaving gifts, really. Pretty much. Yeah. It's not quite the same as cakes and ale. I don't know what I wrote there, but anyway, it can be a ritual on its own or part of a larger ritual. It's for all spirit beings who are part of the ritual, so it's not just an offering to the gods or goddesses, which is usually cakes and hours, just land or god-goddess. It can be like a party, so you can throw a party with them. Mm -hmm. And um, Keldon spoke of or wrote about briefly, he said he'd he'd basically had parties with spirits and they'd come up and yak at him and they'd just chat and talk and... You know, it was like a party. But then he's had some real sombre ones where uh-huh. they've just sat and, you know, qu- quietly ate the food and then closed off the ritual. No, there's no set offering. So cakes and ale implies cakes and ale. This is just food and drink. Uh-huh. Uh, you have to get to know the spirits that you're working with in order to know what they want you to give them. Okay. Uh-huh. And so that's encouraged. Generally you start out with like bread and wine or bread and juice Mm. When you don't know, when you haven't worked with some body, some spirit, and then you build up. As you build the relationship, they'll tell you. Mm-hmm. And he said, just ask them. Like there's lists, you know, especially with like hoodoo, voodoo stuff, there's lists of this lower likes this or this one likes this. He was just like read a bit about them but ask them. Actually ask them what they want. Okay, this is the last thing I'm going to talk about because it's exciting. <laughs> it's called treading the meal and this is actually why – I decided to do this because I read a bunch of this book and I thought it was pretty cool and then I read about treading the meal. Then I had a go and I was like, holy shit, this works. Okay, so treading the meal. It's a ritual to alter consciousness and raise personal power. That's essentially all it is. But it involves continual pacing or treading around the compass round or the circle and I'm assuming it's around the edge but he's, that's just what he says. It involves continual pacing or treading about the compass round while maintaining a fixed gaze upon a central point of reference. It's a fairly modern tradition, but, again, it's based on older folk tales of witches dancing in circles. Like, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The mill part can be viewed as a metaphor for the way the witch paced the compass in order to grind out or raise the magical power necessary to obtain whatever they wanted for the ritual or spell. Direction has to do with the ritual intention. So 
this was very Northern Hemisphere, I would actually take it to be backwards for us. But clockwise for beneficial and counterclockwise for baneful magic. So I would take sunwise or anti, not sunwise, <laughs> anti-sun, <laughs> anti-sun, docile. But you know what I mean? Like yeah. here in the Southern Hemisphere, it's actually backwards. The opposite way, the sun rises. Particularly clockwise for yeah. beneficial, but I would, in the Southern Hemisphere, if I when I do this, I would do it back, do the other way. Yeah. So I'd sunwise. Yeah. Or do, docile, decile. Yeah. Okay, so, so far that's not very different from other, like you dance around the circle to raise power, like that's not unusual. We've we've done that. I'm sure a bunch of people have done that. But there's, there's more to it. Ooh. Which makes it creepy. Oh. In a way it kind of, it made me think of zombies, but Ooh, anyway. I love zombies. Okay, so this is, this is what it is. So while treading the mill, the witch moves forward with their head turned to the side and slightly cocked back, but still, I'll show you, still gazing steadily upon the central point. So put your chin on your shoulder, left or right, then tilt your head back a little bit, but your chin has to stay on your shoulder. So, yeah, it's a bit meh. So, and, you know, which, whichever shoulder you use depends on which direction you're going to go in because you actually have to be able to see the central point of the circle, mm-hmm. the compass. I'll get better, I promise. Yeah. So why? Why would you do that? It's terribly awkward. Can and I have it, blood supply in my neck, babe? Exactly. That, ah. that helps you enter an altered state of consciousness. <laughs> It restricts the blood flow to the brain slightly. When paired with continuous focus on the central point, it creates a hypnotic effect. It's meant to induce trance. I guess it's kind of like, <laughs> no, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know where my brain was going? Possibly. I thought something really rude. But- yeah. <laughs> that is what I thought. Liz made dirty gestures. And was talking about a big willy. Sleeping queer spoke with Brian. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we'll just leave that there because we're not comparing this ritual to anything at all rude because that's not nice. I mean, if that's your thing, just don't kill yourself. <laughs> you can do just about anything you want. It's traditional. The other thing, there's more. There's a little bit more to it. So traditionally the mill is trod with slow and steady movements. Sometimes with one foot dragging behind the other, an action known as the lame step. So the title of Robert Cochran's group, which I'm not going to look at again because I fucked up how it was pronounced, that's the black, the lame blacksmith. That's who that deity or deity is. Okay. So that's that's why. He, he had like... I think he had like not club foot, but he walked with this limp. Mm-hmm. So that's why that lame step is included in this treading of the mill okay. because it's referenced back to that deity because it came from Robert Cochran. Okay, that makes okay. sense. Got it. So, yeah, think about that for a minute. So you've got your chin on your shoulder and your head slightly back and you're dragging one foot around and you're walking around this circle like staring intently at the middle of it that's creepy as fuck 
Imagine coming across this group of people or one person like zombieing around the middle, around this, staring intently at the middle of the circle and then they're like in trance and they suddenly just fall down because they've reached the peak of their like raising power and they just sort of go fall down onto the ground because that's what you do. I guess that's when the blood flow needs to come back. Yes. (laughs) When you feel that you've reached the peak of your power, you have enough power to send out into the universe and you just fall down onto the ground after like walking around like a zombie for like 10 minutes, restricting the blood flow to your brain. It works amazingly well. Now I just want to share an urban legend. Oh, go, go. Yes, I <laughs> no, love it. it. Yes, it's yes. not a real urban legend. Oh. It's like one of those modern day ones. But there is an urban legend about a doctor who was massaging his massaging. wife's neck. Oh, okay. And ended up cutting off the blood flow to both and killing her. So just be careful. Like, make sure you've got at least one vein in your neck going. <laughs> yeah. So that's why you turn your head only to one side. Exactly. If you can sort of scrunch your neck down and cut off your circulation to both. Wow. That's yeah. That's incredible. I don't think you could do that. But the point is you do this weird movement with your head to the sort of crunch to the side and yeah. dragging your foot along behind you but it works amazingly well to get you into trance. You don't have to do it for 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did it for just this little while when there was no one home and I didn't do the lame step thing because I couldn't coordinate my body that well. (laughs) It's like I'll just start with just the head moving. It works a treat. Yeah, you don't even have to do the step. No. Yeah, okay. I understand why they do the step because of it's like Robert Cochran's to his deity, which is fine, but, yeah. Yeah. It, huh. it works really well. Huh. But also made me think of zombies and was really creepy. I like zombies. I loved it. <laughs> okay. I have one little thing to end on. This was a little chant that Keldon included in his book to use when treading the compass, and I used it and it was creepy and I loved it. Here we go. Round the mill I tread. Pointed finger, crooked head, round the mill I dance, magic power, witches trance, round the mill I sing, wishes granted, desires bring. Oh, I liked it. Yeah, it, it, just to bring it back to was sailing, it kind of reminds me of was sailing. Yeah, yeah, it has, and it has that rhythm. So yeah, yeah, tread. you can do it. Yeah, yeah, you can and do it. You can. <sighs> awkwardly but you can but yeah no in seriousness it worked it worked very very well wow so that's my intro to traditional witchcraft i'm two-thirds through the book haven't got into the other world part yet and we'll see how it goes mm-hmm. the first bit was amazingly interesting mm-hmm. so again the book is called the crooked path an introduction to traditional witchcraft by keldon k-e-l-d-e-n And I I purchased my copy. This is not like a review or anything like that. (laughs) I actually purchased this on a whim and started reading it and thought it was fucking awesome. I mean, I do feel that he's talked up the differences between Wicker and this a little bit. Well, yeah, and he does, he he said that and he said, like, I'm not actually into the, like, the differences aren't important. It's not dissing. It's just. I think for him he had to make those distinctions because he came from it yeah, and he wanted something different and he wants people to know. For him it was much more effectual. Like he found the rituals much better for him yeah. once he, you know, got into college. Like he wanted something else. 
He found that they worked better. He found they spoke to him more. This was just he found his fit. Yeah. He didn't particularly dislike Wicker in any way, but he just didn't feel that it was working for him at that time. So he went and looked for something else. Yeah. That was, that was it. Yeah. And it was much the same as for me, like it was a real revelation to find it. But it wasn't about not being Wicker. It was yeah. just... I noticed these are the things that are different. Yeah. Yeah. And pointing them out as someone who's read a lot about Wicca and, like, I can't think that I've done a lot of practice, but it was some of these things are just ingrained in me. Yeah. And reading something that was different yeah. within the same sort of vein, i.e. witchcraft, was amazing. Yeah. And that was – and I think it was just the same for him. So he pointed out the differences, but I – talked about them in this a lot because that was what I was, that made me think. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he didn't. It was. It seemed a little overemphasized a couple of times, but not, not particularly. Yeah. Overall, I probably talked about it more because for me that was what made yeah. me go, "Wow." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. Oh, well, it's interesting, and it's interesting how how much I related to. Uh, but I guess, like, I've related to it because of my other interests, like mm. heathenry and... Yeah. And so, yeah, no, that was really interesting. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about the last half of the book. Like, that's, what, an hour and <laughs> 20 minutes? And that's only one book. I bought six others. And that's half a book. <laughs> Two-thirds. Two-thirds of a book. Well, I didn't write any notes about, yeah, it's half of it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was just... It fitted so much better than most other things I've read. Yeah, and it expand, it's expanded your worldview of yeah, yeah. Well, it's just it's 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 a it's a it's still witchcraft, but it encompasses all the things that are important to me because I I agree like spirit and working with the other world like you had to shamanism or a form of like hoodoo or voodoo or something like that conjuring yeah. Yeah. to do those things this is witchcraft and you do those things yeah like really emphasized yeah and the partnership aspect with spirit was also that was big for me like yeah. that was that was important for me because I think with what's happening to me at the moment, like all different things are happening. And I think that going into it as, well, I'm in charge of myself and this is a partnership. It isn't I have just as much power and influence, at least over myself, as anything else does. I'm in control of this situation and I think that was that's important, especially yeah. for me right at this point in time. Yeah. So I think that's also why I was like, wow, yeah, holy shit, yeah. Hmm. It was really interesting. I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. I thought I thought you'd like some aspects of it for the same <laughs> reasons, same kind of reasons I did. Because I just read through and I was like, oh, this is this is what I've been trying to do, sort of. That I've cobbled together yeah. from my own brain. Yeah. But now it's like, look, look at that. It's laid out in like this nice, nice, nice little paperback novel size book. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. That was an absolutely fantastic topic and uh, I really appreciate you Hannah taking the time to research something new and and share it with everyone that's um that's really really cool so if any of you would like to connect with us on social media you can find us on instagram at witchy.bites you can find us on 
Facebook at Witchy Bites Podcast. You can also email us at witchy.bites at outlook.com. And we do have a PO box that someone asked us for the other day. So if you would like to send us something, you can do that by sending it to GPO box 93. That's 93 Hobart, Tasmania 7001. And we'll catch you at the next one. Hopefully not as long or maybe yes, hopefully as long. Let us know. If you want us to do really big, long episodes, don't hold your breath because we have to find things we love. (laughs) And I love my sailing so much. Yeah, I know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you still for getting to the end. And, yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.